What's up, Hike Rumor fans? If you've ever found yourself focusing so much on the outcome of a ride or race rather than the experience of the ride itself, I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Lachlan Morton. As one of the top ultra endurance riders in the world, Lachlan's had some grand adventures from riding the entire 2021 Tour de France route, including transfers, solo and unsupported, and beating the Peloton into Paris, to racing events like Cape Epic and Unbound. Sure, he's sponsored and they're making content around his rides, but at the core of it all is just enjoying the experience. His next big adventure is an attempt to race around the world and set a new record. And we talk about all of that and more before wrapping up some advice for anyone looking to tackle their own ultra distance or multi-day ride. Please welcome Lachlan Morton. Hey Lachlan, welcome to the Bike Rumor Show. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, especially like literally the the Monday after Unbound, which uh, must have been a bit of an adventure this year. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely still feeling it in the body, but um, that was a, it was a great weekend. Always a really cool event, and yeah, one uh, I won't forget in a hurry. Right, right. It's that uh, like something like that because you've done a lot of big events and you know multi day long long distance events. How long does it typically take you to recover from something like that? It's always an unknown, to be honest. Sometimes you bounce back really quickly. Like in a couple of days, I'll be like, okay, I feel like I'm ready to go. And then sometimes, you know, it's it's over a week to a couple of weeks. But I would say typically three or four days, I'm usually pretty good to go again. And then if it's like a proper ultra thing, maybe a couple of weeks before you're like feeling tip top again. But there's so many different factors, right? Like in a... A race like Unbound where you can stay really well hydrated and fed because there's feed zones and and that kind of thing and good support, you typically can recover quicker. Whereas if you're doing something unsupported where, you know, maybe you ran out of food for a while or you got really dehydrated somewhere or you didn't sleep very well for upwards of a week, then those things kind of combine to make the recovery quite a bit longer. Yeah, I bet. And then is it, does some of that, like the the training build up and lead up to that effect that, you know, like our, I imagine there's times a year when you're kind of training right up to an event versus like training up and then tapering off for a week or two. Yeah. I mean, I, I typically don't do well with tapers. So I'd played around a bit with tapering for events earlier this year, doing more than I, I had in the past and it didn't really work very well. So for something like Unbound, you know, on the the Tuesday before, I still rode about eight or nine hours. And then on Thursday before the race, I did a recon of like uh, over five hours, I think, just because for me, I need to like keep my, my body in tune with that longer stuff. But weirdly, I think that also helps you probably come out a little bit better because it's not such a shock to the system. If that makes sense. So if you're really fresh, sometimes you can go really deep and you kind of dig into the reserves. Whereas if you're not as fresh maybe you can't go as deep but you're a bit more consistent so you're not as far in a hole at the finish line at least for me you know everyone's body works very differently typically for me the more the more you've done in preparation the easier the recovery is going to be because it'll be less of a shock to the system yeah it's uh it's interesting to hear that perspective about recovery because i know like for many 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 years i would just take it as easy as humanly possible before a race and i was just doing like the short little you know maybe like 60 to 90 minute cross-country races and my friends were like oh you're not doing openers you're not going out and pre-riding the course i'm like no i'm gonna rest like why would i do that and then like i did it and i felt so much better on race day just getting those legs moving and putting a little bit of effort in the day before and it's it kind of changed my outlook on 
race prep. Yeah. And I mean, I think those things become a lot more specific and, you know, important the shorter the race is because like a cross-country race, you know, if you have five bad minutes at the start, there could be, you know, your whole race right there. Whereas the longer, you know, something like Unbound, you have, even if you're not like tip top right away, you've got 10 hours to ride into it. You know? right. So like, um, it's kind of, uh, you know, a little bit specific to whatever the event is. So yeah, the shorter, the fresher, I think you need to be. Yeah. I think I would usually have like five good minutes at the start and then the rest of it kind of suck because I go out so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. So we're chatting because, you know, you were planning and, uh, and still are planning on doing uh, an around the world record attempt, you know, it's trying to set the fastest time to ride around the world. So we're going to talk about that. I know there's, you know, plans are still a little bit up in the air right now with things that are going on throughout the world. But, you know, the short of it for people that are interested in something like this is you're essentially looking to beat Mark Beaumont's record of 78 days, 14 hours, 40 minutes, which was set in 2017. And from what I read, he averaged about 240 miles a day, which is mind blowing to me that you can maintain, anybody can maintain you know, that distance and that amount of time on a bike day in and day out for such a long duration. But like, well, first of all, do you have a a kind of a target time? Like, what are you trying to beat it by? Just destroy it or just like kind of beat it? I mean, for me, like the record is kind of secondary to the experience of it. So, I mean, obviously when you have partners and, and people supporting it, like the team, they get very excited about a record. Whereas for me, that's not the main motivating factor. So I don't really go in with an idea of like, oh, I want to go X amount of days faster or slower or whatever. I just kind of like, okay, I know if I if I hit my groove and I'm enjoying it, then I should be able to pump out pretty big days. <laughs> so yeah, I think like I, I definitely don't have an idea of, of how fast I'm trying to do it. You know, it's such a big undertaking that I think if you got really carried away with trying to hit certain average speeds or mileage per day you could have a really bad experience i'm sure you could still go fast but i just can't imagine it being enjoyable at all so um i try not to get too hooked up on how fast i'm trying to do it to be honest i think like the key or seemingly the key to go fast on a record like this and this is again coming from me i have no experience with like supported ultra riding so it's a, a totally new thing to me but I think the key would be like logistically having everything move as smooth as possible and then keeping your body together in a way that you're not getting injured and you're able to, to be, you know, well fueled and, and well rested each day to, to be able to push as far as you can, you know? Yeah. So you, you, you just said the word supported and I was going to ask about that. Is this, so this is a supported, like you'll have a team van or moto or something kind of moving things along and providing sleeping arrangements or how does yeah, like what are the rules the, that's how the that's what the record is is it's it's supported and I, i'm definitely still going back and forward with this you know if i'm totally honest i would rather do it self-supported and maybe have it include like because the way the route works now is it's essentially the circumference of the earth so what it's, i think is twenty nine thousand kilometers and you have to go in one direction around the world and hit two opposite points. And so it's kind of this is strange sort of record. No, I mean, it's not strange, but, you know, it's it's like a very particular 
Um, so, for example, you could do the record and like not even go to Africa, for example. So, yeah, in, in my mind, I would love to do a record that involved kind of being unsupported, maybe a little more adventurous writing and hitting a true sort of round the world route. But I'm also aware that that would probably take a really long time and I'm not <laughs> sure how much time uh, my wife's willing to let me go and, and do something like that. So, you know, it's nice that I kind of have, I, I was re- very willing to jump into the fully supported, like round the world Guinness Book of Records style attempt initially, but it's it's been nice to have some time to actually think it through. Because to be honest, I know that the way the record is, uh, it's a really expensive undertaking because logistically you, you're having someone essentially drive a camper or a vehicle with you for the better part of three months, organizing hotels and flights and all this stuff that, um, you know, you really do need a big team to pull together to, to do it um, in, a, in a way that's fast. And I know that that's not like a, that's not an opportunity that anyone can have. You know, so you probably, if you set the record in that manner, you're not necessarily, I mean, you're the fastest person who had the opportunity, really. Um, so it's like, it's cool, but it, it maybe isn't like something that motivates people to try it on their own because it's, it's so out of reach. It's for the, very inaccessible, right? Yeah. Um, not, not to say it's not cool. And I have a lot of respect for like Mark Beaumont's record and, and the way he went about it because. You know, as a physical achievement, it's huge. Um, like you said, it's such massive mileage every day that to be that consistent, you have to take your hat off to that and be like, that's an amazing athlete. But also just as a whole operation, you know, even as like a someone who has people like with a world tour team behind them, still like when we initially looked at it, we're like, wow, that is a big project, you know? Because the majority of stuff I do now, it's just uh, myself and, uh, you know, the mechanic Tom Hopper I have here and, and we just go and, and do things as a little duo. So um, it's kind of daunting to to think about, you know, how big of an undertaking it is. But, yeah, I'm still like, I guess, in between, like I, I'm, I'm decided on the fact that I want to do some sort of around the world ride that involves like pushing hard the whole time but i'm just i'm not fully decided on what the format is yet i guess probably annoyingly for you but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i mean i don't care i like you know the more adventurous the better just yeah i I would imagine maybe it's uh for your team is they're kind of like well you know just it's waiting to see what you decide a little bit but yeah i mean it's kind of like if you were to ride across america on north to south for example uh like the fastest way possible it'd probably be a pretty boring ride you know you'd be on highways and you know frontage roads just like cranking along in the air bars or you know if you did the divide route same part of the of the world but it could be so much more interesting right because you're off road away from traffic having much more of a a real adventure. So I, I don't want to, I would hate to go out there and do this ride around the world and then just realize you're like, oh, wow, I was just on holidays, like looking at my Wahoo, <laughs> trying to keep my average speed up, you know? Right. Head um, down, like, not noticing the surroundings. 
Yeah, because then you're only doing it for the outcome. And then that's just an ego trip, right? Like you're just like, oh, I want to be the fastest, but <laughs> like, you know, there's no winners there. Uh, so yeah, I, I want to do it in a way where I can have an experience that, you know, I, I get all the the gratification through the through the ride itself, not the the outcome of trying to be the fastest person, you know. Um, because even yeah, as I said, those records are kind of you know they're they're fun like headline, but um, yeah, in the end, you're not. There's no like it's it's, <laughs> it's not like you're going to be the the fastest bike rider in the world. If you want to do that, just like go ride the Tour de France, you know. Yeah, I think you know generally that kind of is a good philosophy. Like, like I got a buddy who's an ex pro and he's just training constantly. He's like, yeah, I need to doing a century this weekend because you know i need to be fast for the races i want to do i'm like yeah but you know like i'm going up to roanoke to ride e-mountain bikes all day and it's gonna be a lot of fun you should just come do that he's like but i'm not gonna win races i'm like but you'd have a lot more fun coming yeah. with me <laughs> like let's just go have the experience right totally yeah totally so just you know top level because it sounds like there's a lot that's still up in the air and i think a big part of that is you know what's going on in russia and ukraine right now because that from what i've heard and from what you know we talked a little bit before the call is that's a big part of the route for something like this. So like, what is, you know, what's kind of keeping you from diving into this this summer or, you know, like what's the timeline you have in mind? Yeah. I mean, I think like we'd started talking about it before the, the Russia conflict with Ukraine and realistically you need to really go through that part of the world. You need to go through Russia to make a, a proper record. And it also just like, it's one of those things that you're like, oh, I know I have to wait, but like realistically, it's such a small issue when you <laughs> compare it to the actual conflict that's going on there. So yeah, that's kind of put the brakes on it for us for at least, you know, this year. And I think like everyone in the world, they want that that conflict to come to a, a resolution as, as quickly as possible. Uh, so we're just hopeful for that. But yeah, I think for me... There's enough things I, I want to do in bike riding before then that I'm not like trying to rush it. And I know that when the time's right, I'll know the way I want to do it and we'll be able to go and do it. So is Russia an important part of it just because it seems like there's probably a lot of long uninterrupted miles where you can just kind of like hammer versus wiggling through like the whole European Union and then other stuff, right? Yeah. And you, I mean, you have to continually go in one direction. And you also need to hit like the different polarity points. So it's kind of like a crucial bit to ride through there. I mean, initially I was like, oh, let's just not go through there. We'll just go down through all the way across uh, Asia. And I think if you're looking at um, an official uh, record, I think you have to do it that way. So is there a, a, a just like a set route? Like Guinness says, okay, you got to do this route. Or are they just more concerned about mileage and continuing in one direction? Yeah, it's just mileage, one direction, and it's two different spots where you essentially you're on the opposite side of the world to each other. So you, it's seemingly simple, but it's actually quite complicated to get a route that works that way. And, you know, if, if I'm totally honest, I'm generally less concerned with the logistics of it as I am with the, the riding element. So, yeah, it just seemed like from us all going through it that, it was just going to have to go on the back burner if we we're going to do it in that way. But, you know, as I said, that's given me time to think about, you know, the record, the experience I'm trying to have, the way I want to go about it. So, you know, it, it could come around sooner 
if I if I attack a lot in a, in a different way. But if I do it in a way that is unsupported and you know potentially more off road routes and something that's more accessible for the most people, the project might become bigger. <laughs> so yeah. it might it might take even longer. So I, I don't know. It probably doesn't really answer your question that much. Like I I, I wish I had a time frame on it also because then I could. Once I kind of have a deadline, then that's when I usually get the the gears really turning and getting stuff together. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, you ride so much, so many long distance events. You know, you did Cape Avic on down just recently. And then, you know, that's just kind of your thing. So I feel like you're always sort of training for something like this. But yeah, probably having like a start date would let you get a little more specific with that. And Yeah. And I mean, the biggest consideration would just be what sort of bike you're riding and like what kind of format you're doing in, right? Because if you're if you're doing it supported, you're probably gonna be on a like a time trial bike or at least something with aero bars riding on a road, a very kind of static position, which there's a lot that can actually play up when you have that discontinuous movement in one position, right? Like overuse injuries and that stuff. So it would become for me anyway about just having time on whatever bike I was going to do it on. Whereas, you know, if you're riding a a loaded bike, potentially an off-road bike, then, you know, you've got to switch that and spend more time on that. So that would be, for me, the biggest consideration. And then the logistics of it, like outside of training, just trying to get together what the actual plan would look like. You know, that would be, you know, a big... <laughs> a big, big undertaking, yeah. A big I mean, undertaking. Places to stay, places to eat. The flights because yes, you can't ride. You can't literally ride around the world. You, know, you gotta take a couple planes. Exactly. I was gonna ask about bike setup, but it sounds like that's you know a moving target at the moment. But you know, I was clicking around your Instagram and noticed that all of your race bikes tend to have you know very long stems that are slammed, and the seat is way back on the rails, like as far back as it can go in the post. Is that like just because you like being stretched out? Are you riding like I think a lot of pros tend to ride as small of a frame that they can, and then they use those tricks to sort of fit it. But like, what's the like what's the theory behind that setup? And then how would that change for a around the world ride? Yeah, I mean, I come from like road racing background, so you I guess you tend to have like a pretty aggressive position. And then I mean, I'm always just like fiddling with stuff just because I like to. So, you know, one, one week my seat might be all the way back. The next week it might be all the way forward, <laughs> you know, um, like just to, just to keep it, uh, keep your muscles guessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Unbound, I rode the seat all the way forward and yeah, I spent like the month before riding with it all the way back. I, I just like kind of try and find where I'm comfortable wherever and I'm happy to like change things up, you know, day to day to just find a spot where I'm comfortable pedaling. I think like anything positional is always like a compromise, right? So the interesting thing I found riding more off-road is like you're adding in a, a significant handling compromise in your the way your setup is, right? Like if you're trying to ride a, a mountain bike on really steep terrain, obviously you want like a 50 mil stem and, you know, bars that are 75 wide. But if you're trying to race at 40k an hour on a mountain bike, swapping off in a group at Leadville, you don't want that position. So you're constant. It's for me, it's like a constant compromise. And I look at whatever the event I'm trying to use that bike for and what compromise I need to make. Right. So if, if it was purely a road event, you're like, okay, aerodynamics are going to be very important. And then like pedaling efficiency. So that might involve, yeah, a really 
low, aggressive, long reach kind of position. So you can, you can ride fast. But then if I was to try and take that bike and ride it on some single track, I'd probably just go over the bars and, you know, like it would be, it would be very difficult to drive. So they might need to shorten that stem up and, and, you know, come a bit higher. Hey, real quick. I wanted to let you know this bike rumor podcast is brought to you by the pros closet. Spring is the perfect time to upgrade your ride. From top brands to niche names, TPC has a curated selection of new and certified pre-owned bikes for every discipline. Each certified pre-owned bike is inspected, tested, and serviced by expert mechanics. And every bike includes risk-free 30-day returns. Visit theprosecloset.com slash bike rumor and enter code BRPODCAST to save $40 on every order over $200. And now back to our episode. So it's almost like, it sounds like it's a bit of an advantage that you're able to kind of be a chameleon in terms of bike fit and play with all the things. Because some people probably get really set in their ways and just like if you shorten the stem or do something, it's just going to really put them out of whack. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it just comes from the fact that I've changed things up pretty constantly. So my body's pretty adaptable. And, you know, if you go into my, my room over here, I've got like, 20 different stems that I'm always just switching <laughs> out like different bars and I just like I, I love to play with stuff like that because you know I spend a lot of time on my bike and I'm very in tune with like the, those small changes and I find it really fun to kind of put different puzzles together so I can make the bike whatever I want it to be for that experience you know like the other morning I, I got up and wanted to go for a mountain bike ride in a certain spot so I like spent two hours like changing tires and uh, handlebars and stuff and then went out and rode for seven hours on the trails and was happy the whole time because i was like ah oh, this is the perfect setup like for today for no reason it's not a competition or anything i was just like i wanted to go ride this one spot so yeah there's no like no there's definitely rhyme or reason to what i, I set my bike up for but it's not like i'm doing i i don't like I, initially i was kind of always trying to get everything to match my road position because that was my background. So, and then I, I quickly realized that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. You're trying to weight the bike very differently than you would on the road, off-road, or you're trying to, you know, pedal in a way that might be significantly different, you know, because you're on a mountain bike, you're putting power down at 20% grades, whereas on the road, you're doing that at, you know, two to 3% grades. Like there's so many different, you know, factors that, that come into the way you sit on the bike. It's funny. I actually think about it a lot, <laughs> as you could probably tell. You must love all the new stealth cockpits that are coming out. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> it seems like your worst nightmare. Oh, man. That's why I got given... Look, oh, yeah. I have a road bike, like the new Cannondale one, which is super sick. It's like so fast, really like air. Like I was just like, oh, this thing's a weapon. And then I was like, if I could just change the stem and then when I like, <laughs> <laughs> pulled it up and there's all these cables in there, I was just like, ah, oh, this is too hard. And then, uh, yeah, I've been back on the gravel bike ever since. <laughs> <laughs> just throw some road tires on it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I want to talk about one of the, I think, probably most fun things that you've done in terms of like following along as a spectator was the alt tour in 2021 where you, you know, kind of like rode the tour ahead of everybody and just tried to beat the tour at its own game really by doing it solo unsupported, which was super fun. But like, what was, you know, what made you think of that idea? And like, well, tell me some stories from that. Yeah. I mean, that was a really fun experience. It was kind of an idea dreamt up by, uh, JV who runs a team, Jonathan Waters. And 
yeah, initially he he wanted to see if we could do it like supported and try and go really fast and just to see if it could be done. And then kind of what we're speaking about earlier, I was thinking about like the experience I wanted to have doing it. And I was like, I think I would enjoy it more self-supported and, and a bit more of like a throwback to the original tour on a like selfish level because I was like, oh, I could just camp out there and like, you know, just be on my own program. It'd be pretty fun. Uh, so that's kind of how the idea came about and then like the the ride itself like it was obviously enormous enormously challenging for a number of reasons like big mileage riding unsupported for that distance there's a lot of different considerations with like food and where you're going to sleep and like things like that that but they're all like problems that i enjoy solving and like ultimately i just kind of had a an experience that i was really like just really content with like in the moment I I was enjoying what I was doing even when it was difficult I was kind of very aware that I was in a having like a really unique experience that maybe I wouldn't get to have again um so yeah like it's one of the really fond kind of memories I have in cycling not because of what the outcome was but because of the way I was able to like go out and do something that was exceptionally challenging but really be mindful of how how much fun I was having while I was doing it, which is it's that's a hard um well for me anyway that's a hard balance to strike right because you're either trying to do something so ambitious that you're biting off more than you could chew and and like you're really under the pump and and you just feel like stress and pressure you know or the other way where you're like ah oh, this is just too enjoyable <laughs> like I didn't I didn't challenge myself enough so I really like struck a nice balance in that one and yeah it was just like really content with how that that whole trip turned out i mean it's funny i I think back to like if you ask me to name a couple of times on the bike my mind immediately goes to like some of the hardest times where it's you know it's just because i remember that struggle and like you know trying to think through like why am i beating myself up mentally over this because i it's just still fun i'm still having a good time i'm riding my bike but gosh darn it's hard yeah yeah. um yeah so something like that like the all tour I feel like I look at that and I'm like, that was really cool, but there's no point in doing that again for you, right? Like maybe somebody else Mm. will try it just for shits and grins. But like, do you, have you done something like these adventures and then look back and be like, you know what? I need to do that again because I could do so many things different or better. Are you like just looking for that next new adventure? You know, it's, it's very different thing to thing to thing. Like there's some things I've done and I'm like, I would never do that again because I've had that experience, right? Like Everesting on the road or something. You know, it's just like I did it and then I was like, I never need to do that again. Uh, that one doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and I, I'm glad I did it for sure because like it was a challenge that pushed me in a lot of different ways. But then you're like, okay, I don't need to go do that again. You know, like someone breaks your record or whatever and you're like, great, that's I made my contribution to it. Let, let someone else just like further it. But like there's some, like I did Colorado Trail again last year and I'd done it four years before. And I felt like I had to go back and do it because I was like uneasy with the experience I'd had before in terms of the way I'd gone about it because I wasn't, I didn't enjoy it and I wasn't present and I like made a lot of mistakes that were kind of reckless and just like, I was just uneasy with the whole experience I'd had out there. And I was like, I need to go back and do that again. Not to, not to go faster necessarily, which ultimately I did, but just to go out there and put together a ride there that I could feel 
content with and be like, okay, I've I've done that. I've put it to bed. But even like, for example, on that route now, I've done it like as like a, a speed attempt twice. And I, I actually honestly feel like I need to go back and ride that again as like and tour it, you know? So there's definitely things I feel like I need to go back and do. And to be honest, like if I found myself next year being like, oh, I'd love to go back and do like a the alt tour thing again, I would just go and do it. But it's not to, I, I don't really get st- like the idea of just going faster or just pushing, you know, the level a little bit more. It's not, that's not the motivation. Do you know? It'd only be if it's something I, I honestly thought I was like, oh, I could have fun doing that. Like two weeks ago, I just decided to go and ride Kokopelli Trail again, which I'd done years ago. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be down near Moab. I was like, oh, I might just go do it, you know, like, cause like, like I feel like it. So yeah, like I never just rule out. I'm not like, oh, I've done it. I need to move on to like, you know, progress the list of things I've done. So, or, but I, uh, yeah, there's no, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you've got a pretty casual relationship with EF that they're, they're sort of like, let you go do these adventures. Is it where, are they trying to come up with stuff that's going to tell a good story and create good content and, you know, be like good for the team's promotional efforts? Or is it more like up to you to just come up with stuff and if they like it, they'll be like, yeah, go for it. It's a collaboration, you know? I generally toss a lot of ideas out and then see what sticks a bit. But again, it comes back to, I think, in order to create good good story or good content, it kind of needs to be genuine. And I think people see through it if it's just someone's being told to go do something or someone's doing something because they want the recognition. Just doing it for the gram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think people see through that, to be honest. So, and I, and I think as a team, they understand that too, that if I'm not genuinely motivated to do something, it's not going to serve anyone's means. So, no, we have a good relationship and we, we generally just like collaborate on everything uh, in a way that it does just become our, our whole, you know, idea between a bunch of different people. And I'm kind of fortunate in that I don't really have to think about the promotional or like content creation or any of the things that go into that side of it, which, yeah, like, A, I feel lucky because I'm like, sweet, that's one thing I don't have to do. I can just go right. ride more. It's a lot of work. <laughs> For sure. And I know, I know. It. I think, B, it, that, that's also important because I think we all know of of people who are kind of, you know, they might be on a on a ride and the whole time they're thinking about the the film that's going to come out of it. So they're trying to make a film, not go for a ride. Whereas I'm in a position where I can just go for the ride and don't think about the film. Someone else makes the film. And then ultimately you get a film about a ride, not a, not a right. film about someone going on a ride to make a film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, as somebody who used to film a lot to you know create video content for Bike Rumor and stuff, it that makes a hundred percent sense because I still find myself as I'm going on a ride or even just like a family trip, like everything, like it's just the way my mind works is I'm looking at it as though like how to tell a story, right? Like, cause I'm a storyteller at heart and I've really had to like force myself to stop doing that. Stop thinking about, Ooh, that would be a really cool shot with the GoPro. And it, Oh man, my phone would get so good. And it's because it, you start to lose sight of what you're really doing out there when you're constantly thinking about that. So it's been, I still, and, and I enjoy it, right? Like I enjoy yeah. the storytelling. I like, I like the creativity of piecing something together to create this finished product, right? 
And it's just, totally. it's fun, but yeah, it, it can kind of ruin the ride if, if that becomes the focus instead of the ride. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, I wouldn't even say it necessarily ruins it. It just changes it, you know, it changes what, what you, you're out there doing. And I want to try and be as, you know, pure or, or genuine to like my own motivations, which is, is always the ride itself. And then I have enough trust in the people who trying to capture it that i'm like look that's that's on you if you miss the shot you you know I'm not gonna whatever ride that section is, again <laughs> hell no you know like it's like i'll let you film whatever but like i'm doing my thing so that's a cool dynamic that like i think initially i wasn't super aware of but then as you've seen like you know the the rise of basically just content creation from from people doing everyday things or or doing rides that you know, they're trying to make a YouTube video out of, or I kind of have realized I'm like, oh, I think it's very important that I don't even really consider the content that's trying to come out of this, you know, because I think it dilutes, dilutes A, the experience, and then B, the film in the end. So. Well, it shows a lot of trust on the filmer's part too, right? Like that they, they just kind of know you're going to do X. And, you know, their job there is to capture X, not capture, you know, X the third time again, you know, just to make it look better. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've I've been lucky that I've either worked with my brother, he's made the films, or another crew like with, with Rafa that, you know, we shot a lot together and we we're all very good friends. So there's no worry there. You know, it's almost just like they're not there in a sense. That's cool. So when, like, I'm curious, you know, we kind of wrap up with something people can take away in terms of like riding longer, but I, you know, before I ask you, or before we talk about like what advice you give to somebody that wants to do some of these like super long rides or multi-day things, like I'm curious how you kind of got into it. Cause you, I read that, you know, when you were like really racing road and then as you transitioned into some of these longer and ultra distance events that, you know, you lost a little bit of your explosive speed, but you know, your endurance just went through the roof. So what does that look like for you in terms of training and, you know, how did you kind of morph from going, you know, from road racing to ultra distance? To be honest, when I first did ultra stuff, I didn't do any, well, actually I've never done any ultra specific training. I think just the way I generally ride lends itself to that. You know, I do ride my bike a lot. Like how many miles or how many hours per week are you typically doing? I'd say an average week is about 30 hours. Wow. <laughs> and then so a big- much. Yeah, like an easy week. I think the shortest week I've done this year is like 20 hours. Um, and then the longest, probably 40-ish, uh, somewhere around there. That's like a, a month for me, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> sure, but it's like, uh, for me, it doesn't, I'm not doing it because I'm like, oh, I need to have endurance for ultras. For me, that's like the the best way to spend a day, right? It's like out on a long bike ride. Do you just kind of like roll out and oh, I'm going to take a left here and see where this goes? Or do you kind of have your routes? I imagine as much time as you're spending on the bike, it's got to be hard to keep it fresh. Yeah, no, I, I just make it up as I go when I'm at home, for sure. Like literally, I, I usually, well, I've decided what bike I'm going to ride. So that normally determines like which kind of general direction. But I, I basically, I know everything around in the Boulder area like so well that I basically just make it up on the fly and then I'm like, oh, I could just add this. Oh, yeah, I'll go up here. And then you're like, and then when it all clicks in your head, I, I really enjoy that process of like each time you're trying to put together like a unique ride to have 
an experience that you like, right? And that's like, that's my like creative outlet essentially. It's just like root making. <laughs> so yeah. And, and like, to be honest, like the, the longer stuff comes a lot more naturally to me than like explosive, you know, high intensity racing. And I found that like, I've had to work on that in the last 12 months or so. Just the explosive like, stuff you mean? Or- yeah. Just adding in some. Like I basically had three or four years with just like zero structure (laughs) and just like would try and race wherever I could. Like even like I I love to jump in local races or any kind of event just because I'm like, oh, sweet. Then I just like go hard and it's easy to go hard in a race and then like have fun and mentally it's easy and it also just keeps you keeps you fast i guess yeah it's way more interesting that way than like i have to do these many intervals today yeah exactly but i have like i I found myself last year getting frustrated i could get to the spot where the race is winnable but i didn't have the speed or explosiveness to really play a factor you know i could just kind of be there and i was like well why am i going to keep turning up to this kind of race like i'm here because i want to compete you know like if i just want to go on a long, interesting bike ride, I can do that. So added in, well, I have added in a few bits of structure in the last like six months that has been like a nice, nice new challenge as well, you know, and it's like added, added something to, to my riding that, you know, over, overall has been, has been positive. I'm still not, I'm very far from someone who's like super, super duper structured, but it's definitely helped with that like explosive sort of speed element that you know if you're just out there riding six seven hours every day cruising around the trails that you kind of miss a little bit is that does that explosive stuff you know beyond the racing right like if you're going to go out for you know six or seven hour or do you know a multi-day is it like do you see a benefit to that explosive power there too or is it purely when you're doing like a you know 100 or 200 gravel race I think in the long, like the really long stuff, there's probably no real benefit. Potentially in like, if it's like very mountain bike heavy where, you know, you need explosive power and technical sections, I think it hurts you less. So like, you know, if you imagine if you never really touch those really high end zones and you're trying to ride something instead of walk it. If you look at something like Colorado Trail, you kind of spend a lot of time not pedaling or pedaling quite hard. (laughs) So... It can help in that, I think. But ultimately, I think the key to being able to ride long distances, like relatively quick, is just like a big base of of riding and doing it in a way that's really fun and keeps you fresh and motivated to want to go out and do it again the next day. And I think if you approach it in that way, then when you come to the race, the race also just feels like a not a holiday, but you know what I mean? You, you're like, ah, oh, finally, there's like no curfew. I never have to be home. So that's, I think like if, if I was to just pursue riding ultras, which I don't think I ever would, to be honest, because I think there's so many other cool experiences you can have. Like I still want to be able to go and jump in a local crit, you know, because like, that's fun, right? Like I would hate to pigeonhole myself and then be like, oh, I need like, seven hours to get going so i can't have this experience but if for whatever reason i was just trying to do ultra stuff no i don't think i'd be out there doing like 40 20 you know vo2 efforts or something because you're just never really going to use that but i mean yeah variety is the spice of life right 
<laughs> doesn't help. Yeah, even so. Just makes you a more well-rounded human, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what, like if somebody's looking at you and thinking, ah, you know what? I want to do something like this, right? I want to do Colorado Trail or multi-day, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, what? how do you recommend somebody kind of build up to, you know, if they have a year or two to prep? I think like basically trying to work out uh, how to maximize your time on the bike is uh, in a way that is fun. I think that's probably an important priority just like time spent in the saddle, you know, and if that means just you can get out for one long weekend ride, then like, you know, make that a priority and be consistent with your riding. Like if you don't have the opportunity to do long rides and try and just be consistent every day and getting on the bike and, you know, just, just logging up that kind of consistent load. So your body's used to, to pedaling <laughs> really like it's, it's pretty simple. And then, you know, as the, if the, the event or the the trail they're trying to ride or the route is uh, involves, you know, being self-supported or, or camping or those things. Like I think slowly adding those elements in to your your longer rides uh, is important. Just like so putting the actual equipment on the bike, so you get putting the equipment that on the bike and then using different equipment, so you understand what works for you. Because you know, like some guy might be able to sleep in an emergency bivy just in his puffy jacket and be totally fine. Whereas for me, I'm like, I need a BV, I need my mat, <laughs> I need my sleeping bag. And like, I, I came to that conclusion just through trial and error, right? So working out like your equipment, what's going to make you comfortable and yeah, essentially what you're going to bring, how you'll pack it, all those things best done, you know, in a, a space where the consequence isn't as high if you get it wrong. So yeah, like, utilizing different equipment so when when you do finally head out you're like okay i've used this i've had it packed on my bike i know where everything is i know what i'm going to wear when it rains i know what i'm going to do when it gets hot i know how i'm going to get my water you know whether i'm filtering it or whether you know i'm um using a different purification method. like there's so many little things that just take time to to build up but to be honest like the first ultra i did i didn't i decided i was going to do it like a few weeks before and then jumped into it and then was like trial by fire and as it was an it was a it was still a good experience you know it was a lot harder than it needed to be and i look back at it and i'm like man i don't know how i got away with that but like it's still sometimes good to just jump into things as long as it's not reckless and just learn that way you know like that's the that's probably the quickest way to learn so long as you're it's mentally ready death. to like go there yeah exactly it's not life or death and you're not gonna you know piss a bunch of people off because they're gonna come rescue you <laughs> awesome well thanks so much man i appreciate the conversation and whenever you do get the round the world trip going man let's talk again and see how it goes yeah absolutely hopefully i'll have some more uh, details for you next time <laughs> awesome thanks Lachlan. no worries mate If you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast and fill in the form to submit your idea. You'll also find links and photos for this episode there, plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at Bike Rumor on all the things. 
And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.